Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. Before we get to the episode, we've got a voicemail from our friend Ben Bird. Here's Ben. Hey, Greg. This is Ben Bird calling. I've been keeping up with the podcast, as you know, and I really enjoyed the venue songs. It's always great to hear from people who have been to the places that the songs are about. You learn a lot regarding those venues. And it's just something a little bit different from the usual episodes, which are, of course, excellent as well. But you kind of get a new insight into They Might Be Giants fandom and those specific places where the band has been to perform. So I enjoy those a lot. I hope everybody else does. And keep up the great work, man. I know it's a labor of love, but it's something that we all enjoy and we all appreciate everything that you do. Happy Turkey Day. And depending on when this airs, Happy Christmas. Both of those are usually referred to at various times as avoiding your family day slash days. Anyway, talk to you soon, man. Bye. Thanks for the kind words, Ben. And thanks for letting me know you're enjoying the venue songs. Uh, I've been doing a lot of deep cuts in general lately. And it's always good to know that people are enjoying them and yeah, I too really like hearing about people who have actually been to those venues um, because I haven't been to any of the venues in the Venue Songs catalog. Uh, so yeah, I uh, hope everyone else is enjoying them too. And uh, you can leave me a voicemail at 224-801-2930. Now on to the episode. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I have returning guest, Dan Leary, here to talk about the song My Evil Twin off of Apollo 18. Here we go. Hey. Hi. How you doing? Hey there. So, um I say I was, how you doing like we weren't just talking about how we're doing before we started recording, but now let's pretend know, for the microphone. How are we doing? 
it's that it's that you know that podcast cliche wait oh are we recording yet oh we are recording okay hey um yeah uh so i was looking at my big old spreadsheet and i was thinking like oh it's been a while since we talked but then i looked back and i was like it's really been a while since we had you on the show yes it was for it was for science right right and it was the beginning of the pandemic right more or less that that's kind of how it ended up happening so this is my third time on your show i was in the single digits and that was like yes so when did you start the show when was that 2018 17 it was right around thanksgiving 2018 2018 okay so yeah, you'll remember the Single Digits Club with Black Ops, episode eight. Right. And I hadn't even started my podcast yet, so I didn't actually... When I look think back on that Black Ops episode, I'm like, there's so much I didn't do to prepare. Like, I didn't even watch the, enti- the entirety of the music video. Like, I didn't really deep dive on anything online for myself. I did find, like, one cover of, of Black Ops that you didn't find that was, like, in a bar. It was, like, a bar band playing Black Ops, of all things. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> and then the pandemic so many started. Covers. The pandemic started and you started hitting up everyone saying like, we're stuck at home. Who wants to podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jessica had, my wife had never been on your podcast and oh, and that's right. And we had you on our show to talk about uh, Dr. Worm. So it was mm-hmm. like a tit for tat thing. <laughs> yeah. The, the Reliant K cover of Dr. Worm. We, we haven't yet reminded people right. that. You and your wife, Jess, host Sadie Hawkins Pod, a Reliant K song by song podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, so we did the crossover. I, they did a cover of Dr. Worm. I was on that episode. And then you two came on for For Science, right, which, which was episode 78. And right now we're up to, this is going to be episode 205. Wow. So it's been over 100 so episodes i was gonna yeah. say weeks but i don't know you release more than one episode in a week sometimes right uh not really so much oh, okay. anymore back back in back in my younger days right. i did on occasion okay <laughs> that's once a week is is nuts enough for me and you guys uh, you guys on sadie hawkins you're uh up to you're in like the 160s i think last time i yeah i gotta looked. look i mean you think i never remember even when I'm posting the episode, I'm, I gotta go double check. Although only once in the history of the show have I accidentally posted the same number twice in a row, and I caught it right away. One sixty-four. We just did one sixty-four, and uh, so yeah. And and how many songs total do they have? Uh, like around two hundred, think. Maybe oh, a little less. Are, maybe a hundred and. Oh, I, last time I did the math, we'll run out of songs by June. That's the last oh, time. Man. So whatever the math is there, we'll run out of songs by June. Barring that we do an episode every week, which in the last year has become harder and harder. <laughs> we have missed a uh, couple yeah. of... We, we had like a perfect string for the first couple of years where we missed like one episode and it was for a very specific, like we had a problem with our home. We had, a, we had like an actual issue that like made it impossible. And then <laughs> in the last year, we've missed like four or five weeks here and there. It just becomes yeah. harder. Life, man. Yeah. Life. Are are you getting sad already with the with the end approaching for you guys? Not really. We keep I keep thinking about it. We're like, what else do we do? Fortunately, 
and we've said this since the beginning, Sadie Hawkins Pod, it's the name of one of Reliant K's biggest songs is Sadie Hawkins Dance. So it made sense. And we're a guy and a girl hosting this show. So it kind of, it just felt like the natural title. But Sadie Hawkins Pod still feels generic enough outside of a Reliant K thing that we're like, we could probably figure out something else to do. But we haven't really figured that out. One thing we discussed was like, what if we went through, because, you know, Reliant K is part of like the Christian music market. And we were like, what if we do like Christian relationship books and like laugh at them? But in the last year, we've been doing more like Christian. We didn't do a lot of other Christian media, but we're doing more Christian media. And it just brings us down because they're like, I don't like this world of Christian media. We were both raised Christian and I would and we both still consider ourselves Christian, but we're not at all, especially like, I don't know if I want to get into this on your podcast, but like the more and more over (laughs) the years and as things have gotten more political and like people that we, you know, people who follow us for like one week on Twitter and then just realize that we're not the kind of Christian we were like, I have this test basically like once our follower count on Twitter gets a little too high, I'm like, okay, time to post some stuff to remind people that we are like allies, like time to post some gay stuff. Just make sure to clear out the ranks. So we did like a recent, we recently did a Christian kids video and it was supposed to be fun and happy and like goofy and we'd laugh at the lesson and stuff. But by the end, Jessica was like, this is making me sad because they were making this one little girl feel bad because she wouldn't talk oh. about Christ with her friends. We're like, this is just sad now. <laughs> so we don't know if we want to do that is the continued post relying case Sadie Hawkins pod. But uh, we'll see. Why aren't you pushing Jesus on the non-believers? Little girl. Come on, it's for the cause. <laughs> well, hopefully we're like, yeah. hey, we'll come out with new music and save us from that inevitability of doing that with the podcast. Yeah, what was their, what's their latest album? Uh, their 2016 album is the most recent, and it's called Air for Free. Yeah. Okay, and so, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, well, okay, well, just for any Reliant K fans out there, and I'm always like harping on this on Twitter and stuff when I see people talking about this this way, but... Reliant K went nonstop from from like 2000 to 2016, like nonstop. They toured, they released something every year for 16 years. And by 2017 was the end of that tour for 2016. And they were like, okay, let's finally take a break. And they, so they took a, so they took one year, they took two years in one of those years, the lead singer did a solo album. And in the next year, they just basically took off and they would have been back in 2020 during COVID to do another tour, mm-hmm. for, do a 20th anniversary tour for a particular album. And then COVID hit. So like, but during that time, most of the Reliant K fandom was convinced that they secretly broke up. And we were like, mm. just curbing those like people saying that we were like, there is no proof of this. There's no proof of this. They're at home. <laughs> They're sheltering in place. Do you think they should just get in a like a truck and go play concerts in the middle of the street? <laughs> but yeah, it has been a while since their last album, so it's four years now. Yeah, I mean, do they not? Uh, are they not on social media? Once they haven't like uh, tamped down those rumors themselves. They haven't like directly addressed them, but they're getting more active on social media for the first time since their last album because they had a re- they had a tour this year. They had their first tour since 2017 was this year. But it was just kind of like getting back on the road tour. 
And I think yeah. that they're probably just working on new music right now, but they're not going to talk about it until it happens. And then they're playing when, uh, when we were young fest two next year. Oh, right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're probably, I'm also guessing they're going to have more tour around, you know, leading up to that. So we'll see. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. You can hear about this on Sadie Hawkins pod where we did a special, when we were young <laughs> report episode talking about all the Wait, speculation. Did you go- no, Did you no. Guys go to it? No, I oh. wish. No, uh, <laughs> or at least I wish I'd tried to go to the first one and then had the story of <laughs> walking around Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas, with all the <laughs> bad people in their emo attire, and walking around in the wind. Right. Yes. <laughs> people would have heard your Phantom story way back, many, many years ago, on the Black Ops episode. Um, but you said you've got a little something oh, right. to add. So my, well, my, they might be giants origin story has been kind of serialized over all my <laughs> extended appearances. Cause <laughs> my first time I was on, I talked about tiny tunes, obvious everyone, our age, mm. tiny tunes. And then I forgot tiny to continue. I forgot to continue the story that day on the black ops episode where it was really a babysitter who watched tiny tunes with me. And she was like, oh, I know this band. I have their tape. And I was like, you do? Can I borrow it? And this is in like 1992 or something or 91. So it's like, I'm Mm -hmm. a kid. I can't just go to the store and get it myself. There's no internet as it is. I can't just get the music. So she lent me that tape and I had it forever. And then when I had to return that tape, this is the part that I've never mentioned before. But I returned that tape to my babysitter and I was like, I need a copy of that tape. And I guess I was like 10 or 11 And I went to my grandma who lived in our basement and I was like, and we didn't, I didn't have a lot of like, they might be giants was like the first pop music, you know, popular music group I ever got into. We didn't have Mm -mm. uh, MTV in our home or anything like that. My parents blocked it because of the sexual like nature of things. (laughs) Okay. So you had cable, just not. Yeah. We had every other channel, but MTV. And uh, so I had no conception of Cinemax, oddly enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I convinced my grandma to take me to Tower Records in Burlington, Massachusetts, where we lived, and buy a copy of Flood. And like, she was like, you promised me there's no swears on this. And I told her the truth. (laughs) No, there are no swears on it. I've been listening to it for a year. There are no swears on this album. So she bought me that tape. And then... Part of the reason why I was thinking about this is because my grandmother just passed away this uh, this summer. So mm. I, that was like, and I kind of forgot about that aspect of it until I was thinking of all the memories of her. And that was one of the yeah. most important is that she helped entrench They Might Be Giants into my life, even though she had no idea what she was doing. <laughs> she was doing that. <laughs> awesome grandma coming through yeah. with the TMBG tape. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, I mean, was it something that uh, had been coming for a while, or was it wasn't sudden? Wasn't it? it was like known that it was going to happen, but she didn't have she had she had she had problems, and everyone was like, it could be any day, but it's not like she was. Yeah. When it happened suddenly, it happened quickly. It, like it, it happened in mm. a matter of days. Once it was clear it was going to happen, but leading up to that, it was like. Something could strike her at any time. Something could kind of happen. So mm-hmm. we were all kind of like ready for it in a way. And mm-hmm. I just, I was, I got to see her like a week before. It, no, wait. How long was it? Two months? 
less than a month. I saw her less than a month before she, cause I live in Los Angeles. She still lives in Massachusetts. And because of Relying K, it all comes back to these, it all comes back <laughs> to these bands. Because of Relying K's East Coast tour that they had this year, we went to see the Boston show because they didn't tour the West Coast where we are. And uh, I went and then we spent like multiple days with my grandma at that time. So I got to see her like oh, a week great. or something before it happened. Two oh, weeks. That's good. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry to bring everything down right before. <laughs> right. No, it's just, you know. <laughs> TMBG and life just intertwined, right. you know, you know. But I think that's it and for my origin story. I don't think I'll have yeah. any other secret piece of it in an, in a future appearance. I think that's my whole origin story in three pieces. There, there we go. Yeah, it's a trilogy. Uh, and so we're talking about an Apollo 18 song, of course. If it was Apollo 18 right. that uh, you would have had your grandma buy for you. That would have been <laughs> inaccurate because we've got son of a bitch on IPL and Dromai. Right. Um, so thank goodness. Because Flood, yeah, nothing. Is there even like uh, hell or anything? No, like I don't that think so. Flood. Yeah, I think it's completely sparkling clean. <laughs> okay, so um my evil twin i was trying to remember how long have you been clutching to this on the spreadsheet it was, since, it since before time? the first episode aired I, I i called like three or four songs when you were like when the the spreadsheet was still you know publicly editable and everything and i grabbed <laughs> i didn't even grab for science at the time oh i grabbed three songs i grabbed black ops this and uh oh, what's the other one uh Sitting on the curb at the empty parking lot that I can't think of the title right now. John. Oh, um, John Henry. Uh, <laughs> that, Wait, that's uh, the way. Fl- that's the way. You know how you know how Flans will introduce a song by like basically saying the entire chorus that includes the title instead of just saying the title. He'd, he'd probably say right. like, "This song is called Sitting on the Curb of an Empty Parking Lot in the store where they let me play the organ." A self called nowhere is it self self called nowhere? Yes. Yeah. Is oh there it yeah. is. I was not going to the end of the track list. So yeah, so you picked this one early on, and to me, this has always been like a highlight of Apollo eighteen. Yeah. And it's just in doing the research where I found out like that maybe you and I are kind of alone in thinking that. Or, I was or really surprised like you were to find that there's like only two covers and there's no like, you know, fun fan videos, no, like just like, you know, someone edits something together to my evil twin. Like if I think of all the famous evil twins in movies and television shows, how is some teen, they might be giants fan for the last, you know, 16 years of YouTube, not just decided, Oh, I'm going to edit together a little music video of clips from a movie that to this yeah. song, no, no one's done anything like that. I was really surprised. And yeah. I just kind of picked this song at random. I was like, oh, this is my favorite Apollo 18 song. I was trying to be virtuous and not grab a, a Flood song when it was my prerogative, you know, before your show started. <laughs> I could have grabbed a Flood song, but I was like, no, I'm right. sure better fans than me will have more to say about Flood. So I was like, well, what's, my, what's one of my favorite songs on Apollo 18? And I picked this one. And yeah, are, are we the only ones who actually like this song? <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing on top of that, the Johns themselves—they've only played it seventeen times. That's in thirty years. Yeah, that's surprising. That's crazy, right? I mean, the song—I mean, for one, it's 
you know, it's near the top of the album, right? It's like we got uh, Dig My Grave, I Palindrome Eye, She's Actual Size, and then My Evil Twin into Mammal. Like, that's, and the statue got me high. The, the, the album is just so, I mean, it's my favorite album, so I'm like, every song is amazing. But I feel like My Evil Twin up there in track four is just like in the perfect spot. Yeah. It's just... It, it's it's still one of those kind of like tone setters for the album and kind of like what the band sounded like at uh, the moment, which is uh, apparently as you find on Spotify, soft rock or what were they? What oh was, right, this was on a compilation <laughs> or something. I don't know who puts the, what was that that you found. It's not a playlist, but like it's not a Spotify playlist. But sometimes Spotify has these random compilations that only exist on Spotify, and for some reason mm-hmm. this was part of. 90s soft rock which which has actual 90s oh. soft rock on it like i what what else was on there let me look my evil i have to so if you search my evil twin and they might be giants on spotify and then go to songs specifically you'll find it on here it's a picture of it's the word it's the the numbers 90s and then a red rose <laughs> So it's got uh, Hand in My Pocket by Alanis Morissette. That makes sense. Where Have All okay. the Cowboys Gone, Paula Cole. That also makes sense. Okay, This one's not really soft rock, but semi-charm kind of life. I can see how that's like the most rockest maybe you can get mm. in in mm-hmm. like soft rock of the 90s. Uh, Your Childhood by The Proclaimers. I don't even, I'm not even sure of that song. I, I know the, pro- hmm. yeah. Uh, Normal Town by Better Than Ezra. Better than Ezra. I know better than Ezra, but I don't know that song. Pony Street by Elvis Costello. One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. Like, I wonder how... Hmm. Who compiles these? Let me go to the copyright. Warner Music Group. Okay. So that, that makes a little sense. So maybe... <laughs> I've never dug They're that... they might be giants under yeah. the bus. I've never looked that deeply into these weird compilations that pop up on Spotify. But it maybe it's just like the record label, some intern, they're told like put together a compilation just for Spotify of music we own or music we have full license to and just put together play, you know, we, we, we won't put together playlists. Yeah. We'll put them together as compilations on Spotify. People find the music, play it, but it's, it's a stretch to put my evil twin. It doesn't even fit the tone of any of the other songs, no. much less the I sound. I mean, it's not like it's a song that could pass for punk like Dig My Grave or something like that, but I wouldn't call it soft rock. No. Or, or, or I mean, or our, is our view just, just skewed here because we're like, they rock so hard. Okay, this one's, this one's mm. ridiculous. Sucked Out by Super Drag. Like, that's not a soft rock song at all. That's like a full-on no. rockin' song. He's screaming by the, yeah. He's screaming through most of that song. This, if my theory is right and these uh, record label compilations are put together on Spotify by some intern, I feel like maybe they have some license to pick the songs. They're like, as long as you get a couple of big songs on there to uh-huh. help raise plays for like Hootie and the Blowfish and Tori Amos, then you can put whatever else you want. Just get it up to 60, you know, 70 minutes of a playlist. I mean, I will say that I, I like that it made this, you know, quote unquote, compilation among some some of the other ones you named were you know legitimate radio hits right and this was not (laughs) something else i did but it's a hit for me it is yeah i don't understand something else i did and i just recently figured out how to do this uh on discogs now when we pick reliant k songs to talk about but if you type in the name of the band and the song you're looking for on discogs it shows you 
every release with that song on it. I did this with a Reliant oh. K song mm. recently because there's this Reliant K song where it's only the acoustic version is available on CDs, but there was a full guitar electric version that was only on iTunes. And I was like, there's got to be some random compilation or something where the rock version was available. And it was. And I used this 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 Discogs hack to find it because it was a completely under the radar, like stride huh. gum promo CD. <laughs> <laughs> stride gum. Yeah. That doesn't even exist anymore, does it? I don't know. I don't know. anything. I hate gum. I don't even like gum anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I don't chew gum either. Yeah. What do I know? But uh, um, I typed in "They Might Be Giants, My Evil Twin" on Discogs, and the only thing that came up was was all the different releases of Apollo eighteen and promo right. releases and all those of Apollo eighteen, but no actual like single for it. It wasn't a B side or anything. It wasn't in any comp any real compilations. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Well. Before we get into talking about why My Evil Twin is so so great, the Apollo 18 version, uh, we need to play people the Dial-A-Song version. So I'm going to pop that in in post right here. What do you think of that? I like it. It's nice. It's fun. It's well, actually, I like it up to a point. It it feels like they didn't have they didn't know how to end it. <laughs> they like had this really good hook, this really good lyrical idea, and uh-huh. like a lot of dial a song, dial a song songs, I'm sure are sometimes like you know our ideas they're working on. I feel like they just didn't have a way to end the song because the way he like what is I mean there must be a technical way of doing the there must be a technical name for this that you can tell me but at the end instead of going my evil twin he goes my evil twin he like extends the notes at the end of the song and that's a way clunkier way to end the song it feels like it feels like just a stock way to end the song it almost feels like a it almost just feels fake i I don't know (laughs) because i'm used yeah it sounds like he's kind of improving it at that point right um i mean i guess a way of saying that you're I mean, he's not really taking the same melody and stretching it out. I mean, that would be called, you know, augmenting a melody. Um, but he's kind of just, I, I feel like he's just kind of winging it yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because, like, the bri- <laughs> like the bridge the of the of the real song, the part where Linnell comes in and sings his little part, my twin, that's not there. And then, the, you know, then Flans has a little bridge part, that's not there. That's all expected in what's essentially, you know, what's a demo. I understand those sections might not be there but just the end of the demo is just the clunkiest thing it just feels like he had no idea how to really end it and plus he's working with a drum machine right 
which is yeah so it's like well you know he can't change he probably can't change things up however he did it in the room for the tape machine so the one little thing uh, I like that didn't make it into the uh, album cut is in that that bridge. We got the wah 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 little guitar part, right. but then it has this little like like the synth thing just kind of like going up like crazy. It's just for a split second, but I'm like, oh man, I love that. There's also some lyrical differences, which which yeah, I guess right we'll wait till we get into the lyrics for for me to. Mm-hmm talk about that but there's a few little lyrical differences that aren't like they're not big musical uh, lyrical differences but they're interesting in my interpretation of the song to what maybe he was going for originally or they were going for Mm -hmm. which by the way this is this is a direct collaboration song between the johns this is they they record they're on record as saying this was flansburg and linnell writing this song together unlike the usual assumption where if it's flan singing it must be a flan song Right, yeah. Maybe I should just I should drop in the actual audio of Linnell saying that from the show that you find November 29th, 2008. Yeah, this is a collaboration between John Linnell and John Flansburg. I love that he refers to himself in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of saying me. Because usually, I mean, they don't use each other's last names. They just call each other John, right? Right. But in text, that would be kind of confusing. But at a live show, when he's just talking to the audience, it's like, this is a collaboration between me, John Linnell, and that guy, John Flansburg. <laughs> it's unusual. It's unusual. It's controversial. But this is what happened. I was about to say, this, this is a collaboration between John Linnell and John Flansburg. Yeah. It's not a songwriting team. It's unusual. It's controversial. But... Yeah, and then um, there is, let's see, a a quote from John Linnell. uh, I wrote a bunch of music. It was all MIDI, and I put it on a computer disc and gave it to John. (laughs) Right. And he wrote the melody and lyrics over top of it from some book called In Their Own Words, Songwriters Talk About the Creative Process by Bill DeMaine. I put it on a computer disc. Yeah. So probably talking like a floppy. Right. right? Like a well, like a two kilobyte disc or whatever those floppy disks were. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm I wonder is that the MIDI stuff that he gave to him, is that what we're hearing on the dial a song? Right. Or did Flans or did they do something else with it before it made it to even that second step, I guess. Right. The MIDI was the first step. Hmm. I was just thinking about Dial-A-Song in general because I listened to a bunch of... I've listened to this Dial-A-Song compilation on YouTube that where this is found a couple of times, but then I started thinking about like what they did in the room for Dial-A-Song. Like, did they have another... You know, like in the documentary when Dial-A-Song still existed, you see Flans recording a Dial-A-Song on the machine. He's got a guitar, he's playing for the guitar, uh, playing the guitar to the tape deck, and then he announces a bunch of tour dates. And that's a little moment in the documentary. So in my mind, it's always like they're actually playing the instruments there with the, in the room, but I'm like all the way back, you know, from the 80s and the 90s, like, do they just play another, you know, just like they would in concert at the time, just play a tape deck and then sing over the tape deck. Like, they're not playing the instruments, right? So it could literally be this. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so it could literally yeah, that be the same that is what they show MIDI. in Gigantic. Like, 
Yeah, he's there with the guitar right in front of the, right. the answering machine, right? It's just the instrument right into the answering machine. But yeah, I think they probably, yeah, like four track or something. Yeah, like karaoke uh, into an answering track. machine. Yeah. Yeah, self-karaoke since it's your own songs. Right. Yeah. 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 So I wonder if it could be like the that could be the MIDI that he's talking about, or it could be a you know copied. Ver- this is basically mm-hmm. what you said, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then okay, so then getting to the Apollo uh, eighteen version, obviously cleaned up significantly. What are your favorite parts uh, before we get to the lyrics? What are your favorite musical elements of? My evil twin. Just how soft this soft rock yes. is. <laughs> <laughs> I like the. Uh, so it's that's like a harp. Is this like a harpsichord instrument? It is kind of a harpsichord sounding. Yeah, whether it's patch, it's probably yeah. electronic, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I gotta say one thing that uh, about they might be giants and my fandom. When I was a kid, I, I didn't get that this was like mostly electronic elements, and sometimes, you know. Even listening to your show, I, I kind of break these myths that I built in my head about certain They Might Be Giant songs, especially older ones that I got into when I was a kid, because mm-hmm. I, I had no idea about the tape deck history of performing shows in that way. Like, I didn't learn about that pretty much until the documentary came out. Like, I had no real concept of that. So when I would hear Apollo 18 and Flood, like, I just assumed it was all instruments. Right, like I don't know, sure, especially sure. when sometimes you've talked about certain drum machine beats are like almost impossible for a human to actually play the way they're on the record. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense now that I actually understand music a little bit better, despite the fact that I decided <laughs> to have my own music podcast. I don't really understand these things, but uh, it, when John Henry came out, because I was a fan before John Henry came out, and there was a sticker on it that said the full band debut. And I'm like, what does that mean? They've always been a full band. There's two main guys and they have a band like Weird Al. Like you have, there's the main guy and you have the backup band. But no, there was two guys and like drum machines and stuff. So now when I like sometimes listen, now when I listen to the, you know, the classic albums, I'm always like basically revisiting my preconceived prejudices of assuming these are all organic sounds. And I'm like, oh, these are clearly not. Like, aside from, like, keyboards and what I knew were samples, you know? But right. to hear this harpsichord, I just assumed it's a real harpsichord and they recorded it or How whatever. How kick-ass <laughs> would that be? <laughs> like, some Vivaldi-era harpsichord. Like, I don't know. Have you ever seen a harpsichord in person? No, I don't think so. They usually, and someone may correct me on this, they usually have the keys uh, in... Basically, the 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 negative, uh, like the white keys would be black. Oh, okay. And the black keys would be white. Okay. Uh, which just looks pretty badass as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. Right? The more black, the better. But uh, harpsichords are a pretty wild instrument. I mean, there's basically a mechanism that's plucking the strings. There's like these little hooks in it and stuff. It's pretty wild. But uh, having one in 1992 in a studio would be pretty much unheard of, uh, unless it was a classical music studio, of course, right. um, because they would be quite, quite pricey. But to answer your to answer your original question, just that opening yeah. is one of my favorite things. It catches me every time. Like if I start to doze off, not doze off. If I start to like drift off in the first 
side of Apollo 18, when when that that harpsichord sound comes in, it's just there by itself. It's stark, but it's also like silly and ominous at the same time, which kind of like defines the American mm. Giants music. Just like it's a harpsichord, uh-huh. like you don't expect to hear this kind of like almost formal sounding thing played in a very playful way. And then the song is all about uh, paranoid. The song is like a paranoid rock song and so to open it with that way i always feel like even when i was a kid i just liked playing that opening back a couple of times before moving on with the rest Mm -hmm. of the song and the way the guitar (laughs) then kicks in in the middle of that you know at the end of that intro always very much arrested me Uh uh-huh yeah yeah i love the way the drum machine kicks in i also like that it it comes back to that as a point at a point we come back to the harp score later in the song and it comes in even harder with the drum machine that second time around with those triplet fills da, 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 right into the big ending. I think the drum is, the drum machine in this song is programmed really, really well. And I could see how a kid would be fooled into thinking that it's a real drummer. Right. I mean, these guys, I mean, it was their fourth album with drum machine. So they knew what they were doing right. at this point. Yeah. Um, and I don't think... Like in Flood, there is sneakily some real drums on it. There is a real drummer on a handful of songs on Flood, but they play in such a mechanical way like you'd almost never know. But I Mm -hmm. don't think there's any real drums on Apollo 18. I'm trying to think of the songs I've done so far, and I don't think so. I don't know if it was... Electra, like, no, we can't afford that anymore. A real person, yeah. it's all drum machine, baby. I think. <laughs> I love that we get accordion and keyboard. I love in those early days where you'd get multiple Linnells. Yeah, like I feel now today with the full band and having two guitars and kind of more guys to fill the space. We're usually only getting like one track Linnell. So I, I like in these old ones where we're getting accordion and keyboard um, instead of making him choose. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but this song, I mean, it's just so peppy. It's such a toe tapper. And again, that I can't get that soft rock thing out of my head. That's just <laughs> so wrong. It's just, <laughs> it's just eating at me. This song it you know as the kids say it's a bop right do kids say that anymore uh what do kids say maybe not i know kids if kids if it's a if it's not a bop it's a it's mid i recently let that sink into my head i'm like (laughs) i've been calling more things mid recently (laughs) i like to deliberately find (laughs) words like that that are being used all the time and then repeat them around my wife and just make her sick (laughs) isn't it the thing slay now slay is that is that thing oh yeah that's the thing in fucks that's also like that's been around for a couple of years just to say something yeah. fucks just because it's good it doesn't mean it literally has sex but <laughs> man the f word just it has so many uses it's so it's like one of the most versatile words in the english language and you guys still don't curse on your podcast do you no well we bleep it out yeah. Oh, right. And, and now it's... Right. Didn't I do, like, a long string of curses you did. on your you show did. intentionally? We just, out. like... Because we started the podcast, and we had no idea what our audience was going to be. So we... Because, like I said, we're not as... We're not... We're not the kind of Christian we were, like, 
thinking might start listening to our show over the years, we're now like, well, those type of Christians don't need to necessarily listen to our show. But at the same time, we were like, well, people with kids might want to listen to us because they like Reliant K. We'll bleep the swears. It'll be fun. And now we still do it. But once in a while, like I uh, I forgot to bleep one F word last week. And I was like, I could go back yeah. and edit it back in. But nah. <laughs> nah, I just missed it. Are there any other Reliant K podcasts out there? Yeah, there's one other one. Uh, he hasn't released an episode in a while, but he was like, he released a topic when he thought of it. His name's Josh, and he started before us, stopped well before we started, and then we, you know, followed his Twitters and stuff, his uh, his social yeah. media, and then we we're like, oh, I guess that whatever that show was, it's gone. And then we started talking to this guy that we had no idea was that guy. <laughs> and we were like, he one day he was like, oh, by the way, I'm the other, the other Reliant K podcast guy. We we're like, what? <laughs> oh, hello there. And Reliant K had their own so official he, podcast at one time. Uh, but like yep. early that's, in podcast, like 2013. That's right. Yeah. Just like yeah. Dame of Giants did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should we start delving into these lyrics? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, right off the bat, my evil twin, bad weather friend, he always wants to start when I want to begin. Just a little clever cleverness there. Right. Um, but I don't know if you were wanting to bring up that the, there's a lyrical change right, yes. right there uh, from the dial song. Yeah, and that, like, change, it, it, it gave me some more concept of what this song could be alluding to but the original lyric was my evil twin blows up a world obsessed with unoriginal sin which seems like a very like i don't know it's always the the lyric they went with on the album just feels better like the the dial a song one just feels like it's kind of like being verbose for the sake of being verbose it feels a little Mm, forced mm -hmm. and over the top right whereas this is kind of a fun song that leads you into this possible narrative of him having an evil twin and the paranoia that surrounds that. Like when you start out the song with my evil twin blows up the world (laughs) obsessed with unoriginal sin, you're like, you immediately would have felt like you were in some different kind of song if they had stuck with that lyric, because the mind bait, you know, we'll still get, keep going through the lyrics, but my basic interpretation of this is like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that yet. Because I'm sure everyone's interpretation is like, <laughs> this is a fight club thing. He doesn't really have an evil twin. He is the evil twin. He's imagining it. He's a, you know, or whatever. Or he does have an evil twin or whatever. There's so ma- there's a couple of the Might Be Giant songs where there's like uh, an implied duality to the same character, right? right? So this just seems like it falls yeah. in with that. I have a slightly different take on that. But if it was like a literal other evil twin or if it was a split personality thing blows up the world with unconditional sin sounds like he's like a terrorist or something sounds like he's a way more nefarious evil guy like actual evil as opposed to the trope of an evil twin when you think of the trope of an evil twin they're not usually that evil they're just evil compared to their twin right like sure 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 yeah i mean like in some movie like like bender's evil twin He's not really that evil. He's just sli- flexo. Yeah. <laughs> and like Bart's evil twin, 
which is technically not canon, but Hugo from uh, Hugo. Hugo. Mm-hmm. He's not really that. How's Hugo not canon? Uh, he should be. <laughs> yeah, come on. Did uh? Did you hear? Wait, is that is that a Treehouse of Horror? It's a Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, did you hear about this recent uh, Simpsons episode where it's like a slightly meta episode where some people hack into? It's all animated. It's not. There's no live action aspect to it, but it's a from this season, like a couple weeks ago. Some characters, some real life characters, some people that know The Simpsons is a real show, <laughs> hack into The Simpsons server and release all of this footage. Like they're a they're a anonymous style hacking group, and they release uh-huh. all of these uh, pieces of footage and scripts that The Simpsons producers were too afraid to release. And a lot of them are based on like prevailing fan theories about things. And there's like a whole clip, which is the yeah. most popular clip of it now, where a grown up Bart goes back in time to the first episode and gives the Simpsons all of the predictions that they'll get right throughout the rest of the series. <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. No, I, man, I haven't seen that. You know, I tried. I've so long kept up with the new ones and right. people are just dropping off and dropping off. But uh, about, yeah, four years ago, I got behind and then was <laughs> well, just like, oh, I'm too behind now. I can't possibly catch up and then just haven't watched since. I'm pretty much in like the same I, spot. A bad Simpson. I, 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 yeah. Honestly, I was at the same spot. I only heard about this because I get Simpsons YouTube analysis pushed to me by the algorithm all the time. And that's they yeah. were. It was people analyzing that episode. I haven't seen the episode. I've seen the YouTube analysis of it <laughs> and comment on it. <laughs> but I just bring this up to say they could have used that opportunity to say Hugo was in canon. Hugo is a real character. Which yeah. my whole point of bringing up Hugo is he's not really that evil. All he they just he's the evil twin, so they lock him up immediately. He never actually did anything evil to the point where it turns no. out that Bart was the real evil twin. So how evil is an actual <laughs> evil twin? Most of the time, not very evil, just evil compared to the main character. So in this case, I think with the demo, they made the evil twin with the dial a song. They made the evil twin too evil and they pulled that back mm-hmm. by fixing this opening lyric. Right. He always starts when I want to begin. Oh, that little skimp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It scares me so like I scare myself with a book of Nostradamus up upon my shelf. Do you know anything about Nostradamus? I uh, only learned about him during 9-11, and I never <laughs> continued to research him after that. Wait, 9-11? What? Because it, so during 9-11, it became like, this is before like memes and uh, viral culture and everything, but yeah. in the weeks and months following... Actually, in the days following 9-11, I remember people talking about Nostradamus predicted this because there's some line in some work of his where he talks about two towers falling. Like, yeah, yeah. So this became a thing almost immediately after 9-11 that that Nostradamus, I almost said Nosferatu, that Nostradamus uh, (laughs) predicted 9-11. And I worked at Barnes & Noble. I was eight. I was... I was 19 when 9-11 happened. No, I was 18. I was just about to turn 19. I was working at Barnes & Noble. And then, like, the next day or two days after 9-11, all our Nostradamus books were sold out because people were like, the answers are in here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've ever learned about Nostradamus. 
if we had all been reading more Nostradamus, we could have avoided the nation's greatest tragedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like scholars have pretty much tried to, uh, you know, uh, undo all of the things that he predicted anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, it sounds like at the time he was kind of like an oracle. Right. Yeah. Now the mm-hmm. way you try to be an oracle is you open a Twitter account, you tweet a whole bunch of things that are likely to happen, and then when that thing happens, you delete all the tweets around it. Like that—that's a thing that people will do. Like you know, some uh, I'll try like a less nefarious version of that would be like predicting the next Star Wars title. So you start an account, you have an account, you tweet a whole bunch of possible Star Wars titles, and if they happen to pick one of the ones you picked, you delete all the other ones, and you're like, look at this. I predicted Boom. it two years before they released the movie. <laughs> uh, so so why is a book of Nostradamus scary up upon his shelf? That's what I'm not sure of. Is it just to... to do you ever fear knowing too much about the future? Because uh, I, I know that that's an anxiety of my wife's. And a yeah. little bit of mine. A little bit of mine. Did you ever feel like prophecy, like predestination, just earmuffs? Because <laughs> she's sitting over here on the couch and now I'm talking about one of her anxieties. No, no, no. Well. Oh, she's running <laughs> she, away. She's running off to the bathroom. <laughs> she's going to close the door, put her hands over her ears, and just sing until we're done. Um, but like sometimes like predestination and knowing too much about the future and feeling like you're trapped in something that's Mm. destined to be. And I guess if this is a paranoid character who is possibly imagining his evil twin to some extent, or has personified himself into an evil twin or might have the evil twin and it makes him paranoid or his evil twin Mm -hmm. might be actually be a nice guy and he might be the evil twin in a Hugo situation. So he's, (laughs) he's, he's reflecting projecting the evil onto his twin and he's paranoid because of it he might feel like a book of nostradamus frightens him because he's like what's it going to tell me i'm locked into what prophecies like a closed time loop like lost right like sometimes Uh like you're there's no what happened happened and you're stuck and there's no changing the future yeah, I like I like that take. I like that take. Um, so then we get to playing Hangman till the morning light. Now, uh, Hangman, a relatively innocuous game of letter guessing a word, though you do. It, it right. is funny that kids play this. That you draw <laughs> a stick figure being hung. Um, but here, are we talking about playing as a real Hangman, right? An executioner. But then we got the doing donuts on the neighbor's lawn, which is just like a teen prank, right? Right. See, I th- do you ever drive? Do you ever drive across people's lawns? <laughs> no, not that, not on purpose. Like maybe by mistake or yeah. And I've never I've never done a donut on someone's lawn, like purposely ruin their landscaping to get back at them. Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever personally did a donut, but I did. Used to hit people's recycling bins on the curb (laughs) to bounce them back into the yard. Back with the old minivan, and I know my mom and dad are listening. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I ever told them that. Used to hit people's trash cans and stuff like that. You know, after a night out skateboarding, all those, you know, 
sober <laughs> uh, teen uh, pursuits. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll completely. That's sober. what happens when you don't drink. That. You end up <laughs> a hooligan <laughs> destroying things. <laughs> so, uh, what about the hangman, though? What do you think? Um, yeah, I didn't think that much about it, but that, now that you say it, yeah, it could be both. It could be like, is he, he says playing hangman till the morning light. And when you say playing hangman, you think the game. But then, considering that this is a Zayn Giants song, <laughs> it could be right. me- it could be deliberately meant to be both, and it could be, and that is a better lyric for what I'm saying about like, you know, leaving the evil of the twin ambiguous. Like, what if he is actually hanging people? <laughs> what if, but mm-hmm. what if he's just playing a game? Now you don't know. Now you're paranoid and uncertain. Like, how evil is this guy? Right. Mm-hmm. I just always thought it was just the game. I always thought it was just like, you know, until I started thinking more about this song this this week, I was like, I think he's his evil twin is just his own like uh, his own inability to get stuff done. Like he blames everything on like sleep all through the day is the next lyric. But right. I have mm-hmm. more thoughts on that now as we continue. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like we get a couple things like he feels like people are looking for him. We've got uh, a line about sirens here. Right. Um, we've got searchlights. Uh, and then the searchlights are looking for an alibi. He's looking for an excuse. Um, but I'll be home by then, which I always thought was I'll be home by 10. And I always like, thought forever. And I always thought searchlights <laughs> or an alibi. What did I think it was? Searchlights look for an hour. Yes, that's it. Searchlights yeah. look for mm-hmm. it. The searchlights look for an hour, but I'll be home by that. Yeah. Right. Right. I always thought and it was al- search for yeah. an hour, and then I found out it was alibi, and I'm like, oh yeah, I found it out from the the one the one of the covers. I was like, oh, that's the lyric. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, from from Kai probably because he sings so clearly. Yes. yes, we will. We will get to you, Kai. I'm, I know that you're listening. Um, I love the line getting into, I guess, what would be like the second verse. Um, or chorus. I don't know. My evil twin. I don't know what the chorus and the verse is in this song. They're oh, all, you know, there's no repeated lyrics, really. Um, my friends have seen him hiding underneath my skin. Right. Okay. So this is definitely one of those big tells that would be like, okay, he he's... You know, he's the evil twin. Right. Right. And I also and, thought about uh-huh. then sleep all through the day, which also might kind of imply that, like, when he's one guy, he's asleep. When he's the other guy, he's also asleep. You know, the other guy's asleep inside the same body. So one of them is sleeping all through the day because the other one's in control. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The one personality takes over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I should step I like back it. and say that when it comes to the Might Be Giant songs, I don't actually like overanalyzing them, <laughs> but I'm allowing myself Too to. Bad. Do, I know I'm allowing myself to do that here. I'm very much a lyrical agnostic about most They Might Be Giants, <laughs> and sometimes when I see uh, it, it never hits me too badly with your podcast. But like when I would, you know, one when your guest gives their idea of it, I'm like, okay, that's their idea. But when I look at this might be a wiki and I see interpretation. Sometimes I get mad because I'm like, no. 
<laughs> well, some of them get pretty yeah. wacky. Yeah, and I deliberately didn't look at the interpretations tab on here unless you saw anything interesting there. Well, I I did look a little, and the one thing I looked at was um, okay. So then, so then the, the next part, uh, who cut the arm off the voodoo doll that resembles a Republican president from long ago? Uh, a couple people say that um, George Bush, the senior, obviously. Um, came up with this this phrase voodoo economics and yeah. describing the policies of Ronald Reagan oh, who okay. at the time they were up against each other in the primary <laughs> later became running mates and president and vice president oh, okay um but yeah so th- there were a couple of people that said this that the uh i mean even though when the song came out in 92 Reagan had only been out of office for four years, but so the Republican president from long ago, I don't know if that throws that out the window, right. but I thought that the voodoo thing was pretty, pretty curious. I just, I see right here that the voodoo, the voodoo economics quote from George H.W. Bush is from 1980, you know, which makes sense. Cause that's when they were running against each other. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that's possible. I kind of just interpreted, I didn't, think any deeper about it than what I always assumed uh, before this week, but I just assumed it was just like David Pajayans love presidents. They love history. They love American history. And it just made sense that they just mention the existence of presidents. Like I, I know the, the, uh, the politics of the Mappy giants are pretty well known. You know what I mean? Mm. And I know that in, you know, with our climate, the way it is now to say cutting the arm off of voodoo doll of a Republican president is pretty, loaded lyric but at the time i feel like it would have been relatively innocent you know what i mean like they could have said democrat but it wouldn't have fit the measure of the 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 melody yeah who cut the the arm off the democrat i'm not even saying that that resembles that resembles a democratic president it wouldn't have worked no Mm -mm. i always had in my head uh nixon just because they seem to have a thing with nixon right (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I thought that, that the Bush thing was pretty curious. And the line um, is that they rip yeah. the arm off the voodoo doll on the dial a song. Tore the arm. Is it tore? It's tore, I think. And it's not cut. Yeah. They changed it from tore to cut the arm off a voodoo doll, which mm, yeah. if you have a voodoo doll, you're probably just going to tear it off. Or was it tear? I don't remember. <laughs> it was tear, tear, tore, or pull. And he cuts it, <laughs> <laughs> which are all essentially the same lyric. But, uh, and instead, they cut it off. Which I'm like, if you're if you're playing with a voodoo doll, you probably would tear the arm off it, right? But I guess maybe you need scissors. Probably, yeah, scissors to get the cut going. I guess it's you know how sturdy of a voodoo doll <laughs> right. is this that we're talking about? What kind of material are we talking here? Uh, yeah, um, I'm looking at presidential arm injuries. Just. <laughs> Nothing Google doesn't bring doesn't give me uh, anything immediate. Specifically, right? The arms. I need to know about the arms. Yeah, presidents with so, major arm injuries. 
tripping down memory lane from Donald Trump's leading hand to Teddy Roosevelt's carriage carnage. The New York Times, this article is called, Wait, How Many Presidential Injuries Do I Know About? Will I be able to see it without going behind the paywall? <laughs> by by Katie Weaver, June, uh, sorry, January 24th, 2019. So this is just an article about someone who knows about a lot of presidential injuries. Remember when Barack Obama took an elbow to the face during a basketball game, necessitating 12 stitches? Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when George Bush uh, supposedly choked on the pretzel. I I remember thinking at the time that that was a cover-up for something else. Uh, No one's arms have been ripped up. (laughs) Well, now I should just search for the word arm. No, the word arm doesn't come up. Oh, well, wait a second. They said hand. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. What was Teddy Roosevelt? I have no idea what. Wasn't wasn't he in the, the bull moose party, one of those parties that doesn't exist anymore? Oh, really? I am not a good... Uh, uh, it says Republican. Unless... Uh, the oh, okay. pro- who were the progressive party at the time until it switched. Right. Yeah. So they could be... So apparently... Oh, no. Never mind. It was Donald Trump who had the bleeding hand. Oh, my gosh. Donald Trump had a bleeding hand. This song is an is a Nostradamus <laughs> prophecy in and of itself. I mixed it up because right, we got Simpsons did it yeah. and they might be giants did it. I, I here we go. The sub headline said tripping down memory lane from Donald Trump's bleeding hand to Teddy Roosevelt's carriage carnage. So I mixed up that who had the bleeding hand. Huh. Oh well. I don't think we're we, I, I tried on the podcast to figure this out and <laughs> didn't come up with anything no 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 so then then the next little bit uh i'd hate to see you leave because i've grown so grateful for the blame you saved me from this this kind of points to the theory that it's um yeah like a split personality or something because then it's like he's getting treatment for it or taking medicine for it or something like that right and he doesn't want the evil twin to go. Right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. or part of his mind is like, I want to do these evil things like play hangman and sleep all day, but I need someone to blame. So I'm blaming my evil twin. Like that wasn't me. That was my evil twin. Yeah. You know, and, and what you had said about the one personality sleeping while the other one is in control that, just jump to the the very end there. I know someday I'll meet him, but I don't know where or when. The one can't meet the other because they're the same, right? Person, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also just always got a kick out of the um, <laughs> the end of the bridge. I know he looks like me, hates work like me, and walks like me. He's even got a twin like me. Just like looks like me and walks like me, like. You could have said, like, <laughs> talks like me and walks like me. But Flansburg has got to put that hates work like me in there. Because it's a very common <laughs> right. theme in Flansburg's songs about, you know, hating man, hating your boss, hating your job. Uh, so I, I, was, I always got to kick out of that, like, instead of just something simple, right? We got looks and walks. But then he hates work like me. <laughs> you think, like, wh- one of them, you know, would be the good, the good employee, the model employee. Right. Well, this is so. This is the the theory that now I have, which I was getting around. But now that we've gone through all the lyrics, hit it. What if 
N- what I kind of hinted at this, but what if neither of them is the evil twin? What if there are two? Enti- okay. What, what if there are two entities, and it doesn't matter if it's two bodies or two personalities in one mind. That doesn't matter. Just accept that there are two sentients. What if they're both paranoid? The other is the evil twin. What if there's mm. not an evil twin? Because I feel like the trope of I have an evil twin. Oh my gosh, it was me the whole time. Like, that's such a huge trope that gets used so often. Sure. Well, what if, you know, just thinking about the general sense of paranoia that's in a lot of the Happy Giant songs, what if, what if neither of them is the evil twin? (laughs) What if it's just, what if it's a song (laughs) from the point of view of both characters and they're both assuming the other is doing all this stuff? Then I started thinking like, uh, Linnell sings the 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 part of the bridge. My twin, my that part. What if that's the mm-hmm. twin in the back of his head? And when mm. I say the twin in the back of his head, I mean what if that's to them, each of them? What if they each see themselves as the flans, but they each see the other as the Linnell? But secretly, <laughs> they're both the flans. <laughs> This is like some Christopher Nolan right. stuff, man. I think he needs to take this song and, and write up a screenplay here <laughs> using your theory. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And one. That's tricky. One to going outside of Apollo 18. One other place that I can push this interpretation is the song Your Own Worst Enemy from Factory Showroom. Mm-hmm. So, and I, so I was, I got to say, Giants, like I said, when, uh, before John Henry came out, right? And then, so I have already gotten used to all these albums when Factory Showroom comes out, and I didn't buy it immediately. It took me a while to get to it, but when I got to it and I heard Your Own Worst Enemy, I guess at this point I would have been 17, 18. Maybe 16. I can't remember. I can't do the math right now. I don't care. <laughs> when I heard <laughs> your own matter. worst enemy, I was like, oh, this just feels like they redid my evil twin, but without the sort of, without the guitar, without the heavy guitar, heavy-ish, without the mm-hmm. fuzzy guitar, and Linnell singing it instead. Like, it has that same sense of paranoia. It feels like the same kind of song, but sung by Linnell. And so even back then you had that thought? Yeah, even back then, like I immediately had huh? that thought. I'm like, this is striking a similar chord as My Evil Twin, because My Evil Twin was one of my favorite songs of Apollo 18. So when I heard something that somewhat reminded me of it on the new album, I'm like, oh, it feels like they kind of redid it. Not really redid it, but just in a sense, like it's closer to the themes of My Evil Twin than, you know, any other song. And then there's the whole line in... uh your own worst enemy where, where Linnell sings full bottle in front of me. I won't make this into mm-hmm. a, your own worst enemy episode. I swear, but yeah, where, it's, it's cool. Yeah. You can dabble where he sings full bottle in front of me, which is a spoonerism of full frontal lobotomy, right? Mm-hmm. He sings full bottle in front of me. And after many glasses of work, I get paid in the brain. And I'm like, that's a Flansburg lyric. That's not really a Linnell lyric. I mean, you could probably, someone yeah. could correct me if I'm wrong. We could dive into, you know, you could, we could like dissect things, but I'm like, the alcoholism usually is sung by Flans. 
That is true. And so yeah, I remember thinking back then, I was like, was this a song that Flans wrote? Was that a lyric? He, also, at that, well, I would say at that time, I had no idea that they, they didn't write every song together. It wasn't until mm-hmm. really your podcast that I even paid attention. And even though I was pretty good at being on the precursor to this might be a wiki, I just never, it never crossed my path that usually whoever sings the song was the writer of the song. I just never knew about that. Right. So I kind of assumed they both would have written it, but I felt like it was Flans wrote the lyrics and Linnell sang the song. So they're both songs about like an, an other, an other agent, your evil twin and your own worst enemy, your counterpart, mm-hmm. your shadow, mm-hmm. your exact yeah. opposite. Like Darkwing Duck and Nega Duck, it's like your <laughs> your exact opposite. And but each song is sung by the opposite singer of the band. And I'm already getting into this whole thing where my evil twin is possibly, you know, narratively, when Linnell's singing his part of the bridge, that's the other twin. And is this like the same character? Is this the point of view of the other twin? Is this just mm. a whole nother thing? I mean. Factually, I think it's just it's, a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this is what I'm reading it's, into it. It's too bad we don't have a Flames vocal pop up in Your Own Worst Enemy. Right. Like we have Linnell pop up in My Evil Twin. Yeah, I mean, the songs are only, you know, they're only four years apart. Yeah, um, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Man, when I think about it as a kid, four years is a long time. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, when, when yeah, I, when you're, like I mean, those were different. all of high school. Yeah, those are different entirely different eras but for some reason in my mind now you say they're four years (laughs) they're only four years apart i'm like oh my god you're right (laughs) yeah (laughs) that that would be really cool if they were companion pieces but yeah again i mean while Linnell did write the music pretty much for my evil twin it's it's a flaying song in this one um it, it would be cool to think that they're playing off of each other's songs but maybe that's just wishful thinking. Right. This is a headcanon yeah. for me. That's something the young people say, headcanon. Oh, s- stick with it. <laughs> stick with it, man. I like that. I like that. <laughs> okay, so let's get into a couple of live versions. So um, the very first performance was in Germany, of all places. On February 10th, 1992. So I'll drop that in right here. My evil twin, bad weather friend. He always wants to start when I want to begin. It scares me so. Like I scare myself With that book of Nostradamus Up upon my shelf Playing hangman to the morning light Doing donuts on the neighbor's lawn Then sleep all through the day Get up and start again I can hear some sirens somewhere But I don't know why Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I had a funny feeling about that. On the record, there's this wild guitar solo that starts there, and it sort of it washes over the audience in this in- intense way. But since, 
Since there was no guitar, you just got lost in the moment. You'll just have to use your imaginations for that uh, particular moment. So we got just accordion and vocal. Did you, did you like that? I did. I liked how simple it was. But that live performance also plays to my thinking on the dial-a-song version where they didn't have an end <laughs> in that live performance. Like, they just kind of stopped. they just fucked it up, right? Yeah, well, they fucked it up, but it's like they just kind of stopped. <laughs> What do you, when was this performed? It, it was February tenth, nineteen ninety-two. So, uh, and when did the album come out? Um, let me see. Apollo eighteen came out March. So it's a month before March twentieth, nineteen ninety-two. Okay, yeah, so the before. song on the album is definitely solidified. It's recorded by then. I was just wondering if uh, oh, yeah. the timing works out where they're like about to go into the studio or something. Like, no, the song was on the record. But it's just funny that like he didn't ha- he didn't have like a good ending for the demo. He I keep saying Flans, but they didn't have a good ending for the demo or the the, the dial a song. And then they didn't they fucked up the ending of <laughs> the first live performance. <laughs> and then they blamed the song and barely ever played it again. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, going into that little bridge, and it it does. It, it kind of sounds to me like Linnell forgot what the notes were on its accordion, and Flans is just kind of like, uh, uh. Right. Okay, all right, that's the Because they say, like, there, there was a, there's, there's like, there's a guitar solo here, and it would have been, like, blowing your mind or whatever he said. Right. And it's like, Washes well, they could have, like, thing. you know, like when they do uh, Meet James Ensor on severe tire damage, like, they could have done, like, the, the guitar solo with, you know, Flans could have sang it. Or something, but instead right, they just yeah, kind of stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, we we just have an accordion, so we're just gonna kind of accidentally stop. But I mean, it sounds amazing. Like the the recording sounds really good, and it's kind of it does. And you know, it, it it just shows how like this song that's very much about paranoia and uh, just this feeling of something behind you. And yet it sounds so sweet and beautiful when it's just like it sounds like a you're it sounds like you're along the river in some European country and there's this beautiful song <laughs> happening other well they're literally in Europe, right? In this that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean yeah, I wonder what, what German audiences thought of the the accordion based rock band back in the day. And and I've loved it. It is curious though that um they didn't use backing track i don't know why they wouldn't have right did you listen um, to the I rest mean, of the like show hearing the different version but no i didn't okay. listen to the whole show now i gotta now i want to go listen to the show and see did they have backing track or was it it couldn't have been all uh, i don't no. know no there has to have been backing track in there yeah no, i know didn't, didn't listen to the show. maybe they didn't have backing um, track ready for this song in their yeah i guess their, their live deck or whatever you call it i don't know because then it was another five months before they played it uh, back in the U.S. In, in L.A. in July. Yeah. So, yeah, so they played it. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven times in 92. And then not again for 11 years. And then just sporadically through the, the 2000s. Um. Yeah, I mean, I know they're they're starting to build up more and more songs by then, but it just it just seems odd to me. Um, 
so the one, the, the little snippet of talking we played uh, before is from 2008. And well, they've played in they played in 2018, but the most recent recording I could find was 2015. And uh, let's see, September 27th, 2015, uh, which was Music Hall of Williamsburg, pretty much their stomping grounds at this point. Let's listen to that. You think about the, the current five piece playing my evil twin. Uh, I listened to this a couple days ago, so I don't remember right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I just remember it sounding like they might be giants now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, it sounded good. It sounded fun. Like, I would love to see them play it live. I've been holding on to these tickets for three years. <laughs> Yeah, when is yours finally coming up? Uh, April of next year. So I still, I'm still at the end, at the end of the tour, not the end, end, but like they reschedule, then they reschedule, then they reschedule, and I still have to wait (laughs) for the last leg of the tour. (laughs) Whew. Um, I I do love the power of the uh, the five piece version of this. I mean, always just hearing Marty and and Danny on the classic tunes is always a treat. I mean. Danny's bass lines are amazing. He he stays pretty faithful in this one, but it's just really cool hearing, you know, live bass instead of just, you know, keyboard bass. Right. Right. Just sounds thicker. Sounds thick. Um speaking of thick covers, let's talk about covers. Uh Kai Pfeiffer, my good friend at this point always is with the layers and layers of just making thick, thick cover songs. And he did a version of My Evil Twin for the They Might Be Shitposting uh, Apollo 18 compilation that came out last uh, spring. Was it just last spring? Hold on, let me see. Yeah, just back in March. Let's listen to Kai's evil twin.
It's fantastic. I really like it. I like both the covers, but yeah. I mean, I like this one better for sure. I I love how he starts it. He starts it with the the bridge breakdown riff. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't actually a hundred percent sure because it's because he definitely made it into this other swinging sort of rock song, like changed up the entire feel of it. So when that opening happened, I couldn't wrap my head around what is this part? Is this just made up? But now you've said it's the bridge, so that makes sense. Yeah, it's the my twin part. But he just like the the saxophone hits and the electric guitar hits, just all these like syncopated things going on. Dun, dun, uh, it's just it's so uh just like meticulously crafted uh to be just awesome and Mm -hmm. uh and hard-hitting before it even gets into the song right yeah (laughs) and it's funny since the opening of this the intro of the original song is like one of my favorite parts or it's historically been one of my favorite parts since i was a kid and to really change that up into something just as effective, but in a whole different way, is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, he completely messes with your favorite yeah. intro. <laughs> <laughs> Making it into another favorite intro. And as always, him adding, you know, there are, there are harmonies on the original, but he's like, so just laying them on those harmonies, two part, three part harmonies. Kai is just an amazing uh, vocalist and does not disappoint on this one. Now, our next cover. So so Kai is very finely crafted and put together. Right. This next one is pretty wild. Let's it's also good, <laughs> listen but it's to, different. Yeah, yeah. Douglas Stank on YouTube. Uh, let's see. What's the YouTube channel called here? Um <laughs> the YouTube channels, Chuckles Chuck Chuck, Chuckles Chuck Chuck on YouTube. Uh, Douglas Tank cover of My Evil Twin. Let's listen. Now, Kai's had had its own unique intro. Now this one, yeah. When I <laughs> when I played it, I'm like, is this just some other song called My Evil Twin? <laughs> right. I'm like, what is? I'm surprised this? you found it because it's not even. Is it tagged? They might be giants. It doesn't mention it. No. Yeah. 
No, it was I had to scroll like past the break on YouTube and just happened to click on it. And I'm like, oh, this is something else. I'm like, wait, let me skip forward 30 seconds. And it's like, because, yeah, the song is like two and a half minutes. This this is three minutes, 40 seconds. There's like all this extra shredding at the beginning. And it, may, yeah, and it basically makes into, I, I don't know, uh, our avant-garde subgenre names properly, but it basically kind of makes it into like a noise punk thing. Is that what this is? Yeah, I mean, a little metally too. There's like double tapping solos and stuff like that. There's like double tapping going on like underneath the the singing. <laughs> Is this what the Melvins sound like sometimes? I don't know. Um, I don't know. The Melvins are kind of more sludgy than this. This, um, I hope yeah, though, this. It's yeah. It's so like it's got like technical flourishes, but it also is so just like kind of um, loose. Yeah. Like somehow at the same time. There's a uh, there's a there's one Reliant K cover that's kind of similar to this that I really really love because they basically not sludgy but they made it into a very they took a, the first song from Air for Free is called Bummin which is like a straight ahead rock song it's not really a pop punk song but it's like a straightforward you know pretty quick pretty fast rock song and then this these people on Bandcamp just took it. And made it into like an awesome, like loose, you know, not very tight uh, punk song. And I was like, this is fantastic. And like, nobody knows about it. And I always try to push it on our social media and nobody cares. I'm like, no, you guys got to care about this. It's the greatest. <laughs> and I don't even know, who, I can't even credit them right now. But if you type in Bummin or Lion K on, uh, on SoundCloud, then you'll find it. But yeah, I like when, because uh, like, I, I was basically. You could tell from the fact that I'm like, who does this sound like? Like, I like like sort of uh, challenging avant-garde rock, but I will have mm-hmm. flourishes with it, and I never actually memorize who sounds like what or anything like that. You know what I mean? So I, I I'm bad. Yeah. I, it's like something I always want to get into, and when I get into it for a couple of days, I enjoy myself, and then I go back to like polished, clean <laughs> pop rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one. It's wild. It's it's pretty fun though, um, and also quite fun uh, video. There's yeah, that's fantastic. That little, makes it like art. little kid, <laughs> a little kid running around with a fake sword, and like I don't know, two three adults there that are just letting them chop into him and then falling over dead. Right. And this kid is just having a blast. There's something out, out in the field. <laughs> there honestly was something like very artistic and just like mesmerizing about it because like they it seems like they just took a youtube like a iphone video of this kid playing with a sword just a fun day out in the park but then somehow putting it to this sludgy somewhat you know ominous sounding cover to a song that already lyrically is very paranoid and ominous and then you have this bright sunny footage of a child having fun but his parents are <laughs> acting like he's killing them <laughs> the contrast is like yeah. perfect and i i it maybe it really is it may be and like you know it's real footage of them actually playing with the kids so there are moments where they get up and they're like hey whatever you know let's keep playing but if like it was cut perfectly where like the parents didn't get up <laughs> or i was just thinking like this would be a great idea for a music video overall like a, a kid going around having fun with like a 
of of like a nerf sword and like ah, ha, 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 but when he hits people they actually fall over and don't get up and he doesn't get they the concept i mean this sounds die. dark <laughs> a little bit but i swear give this to like i don't know my references for music video directors are stuck in the 2000s give this to michelle gondry or uh someone and i swear it'll be a really dark but twee music video that would be fantastic now these were the only covers that we could find which is just it's 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 blowing me away and 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 really the the Douglas Tank one is from 2020 and Kai's is from 2022, so like what no one yeah no one had covered and put this up online. I wouldn't at think all, a uh, single two years ago. I wouldn't think a single Apollo 18 song would not be covered or at least have something on YouTube for it. Right? Yeah, it's bizarre. But you went ahead and made us a little something. Right. Do Do you want to explain what? Uh, What's coming up here? So this is something, sometimes when we come across a Reliant K song with no covers or fan content of any kind, I'll try to do something with this website that's called rave.dj, or just rave DJ. But the, it's actually, instead of .com, it's .dj, rave.dj. And it was actually, mm-hmm. I learned about it from David Park, who hosts Jimmy Eat Pod. It's a, it's a pretty regular segment on Jimmy Eat Pod where they... We'll try to take the song that week and try to ma- match it to something in Rave DJ. But uh, I, we, I only use it once in a while. It's basically an AI mashup generator. You pick mm-hmm. two songs available on YouTube. There's a limit. Like, it can only go up to, like, a five-minute song or something, maybe six minutes. And you pick two songs, and then the AI tries to mash those songs up. And yeah. I've had some pretty great success of uh, pairing some Reliant K songs to things. And I've uh, tried to just make like other fun, ridiculous mashups just to like share on my social media. I couldn't really get this song to work with a lot of stuff. I tried dozens, honestly, dozens. The way I use the website is I just open multiple tabs and I just type them all in because then it starts processing over there somewhere in the rave DJ headquarters right and then once it's <laughs> right. once it's pot once it's done once it's matched up then it sends it to that tab for me to play back and they all just came back as mush like that's the problem mm. with rave dj is it's only trying to mash up studio tracks it doesn't try to splitter them itself it doesn't try to remove any elements from either track it can only take the solid studio tracks and try to layer them on right. top of each other. What I think it does, I don't know this for certain, but I believe it does just because I've tried so many different things, is I think it the AI analyzes the sound the sound waves and it looks mm-hmm. for the beats and then matches those up because one song will will almost always be slowed down or sped up to match. Right. And yeah, then I think the tempo, it also sure. looks for repeating sound waves that it can identify as the verses and choruses. Because sometimes mm. it magically knows when to drop in the chorus on top of like the bridge of the other song. So I think there's other uh, priorities that it figures out how to do that. So I couldn't mm. really get this mm-hmm. working with anything because I think the time. Do you know what the time signature is on this song? Because I mean, it's just in four four, but I think maybe maybe the lengths of the different sections are. There's that double hit at the end something. of every measure, though, right? I think that might have thrown off the AI yeah. and thought there was another 
beat in my uh, evil twin than actually was there. Hmm. Hmm. So the song you ended up <laughs> with, with, with was <laughs> it's tricky by run DMC. Yeah. When in doubt <laughs> and try to, yeah. when I figured out when nothing is working <laughs> with rave DJ, go f- pick a, a, a relatively sonically sparse dance or hip hop song, because at least it can try to match up those beats. And then, it's yeah. not two melodies in conflict with each other. Right. So without further ado, <laughs> let's let's check out uh what did you title this? My tricky twin. <laughs> uh so yeah, let's let's check out uh this mashup here's Rave DJ mashup. My tricky twin. Here we go. It's pretty wild, man. I dig it. Yeah. Oh, there's one part oh, that I thought lined up in particularly well. Yeah, that happens with the apple. Uh, that happens with this app a lot, where sometimes an entire track or an entire mashup doesn't work, but there'll be a split second or a chorus where it works perfectly, and then it goes out of sync again. Right. Ne- right. The the neighbor's lawn part. Right. The way the little fill or the little buildup on it's tricky uh, kicks in uh, is is pretty epic. Um, yeah, the the sections of the different songs are definitely different lengths because they do kind of uh, bleed into each other in interesting ways. But it almost, in a way, you know, it's kind of like how we were talking about how early drum machine they might be giant stuff be like something that like a human wouldn't come up with. Right. And then here we got these <laughs> insane drums <laughs> going along with and against each other. That's just like, man, that could have been a beat that uh, one of the Jaws program back in the day. <laughs> nice. Thanks for putting in time on that, man. I, I yeah. hadn't heard of that uh, that website. That was <laughs> it's pretty wild. One time, one, one Reliant K song we took was uh, we did a song off their demo, which is a song they never did anything else with afterwards. And it's like a... You know, it's like a crunchy, fat wreck style pop punk song. Like they were much more skatey mm-hmm. on their first demo, and there was absolutely nothing for this song. So I'm like, well, we need some sort of content. So at some point in that episode, we suddenly mentioned Kellis's or Keyless. Uh, my my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> so I tried mashing those up, and it worked really, really well. And I'm like, great, I got social media content for this week. <laughs> Uh, would you like to play um, your what you consider your most successful TMBG rave yes. uh, mashup? Yes. So what do we got here? So this is Don't Let's Start mashed up with the cha-cha slide. And I actually I downloaded the file because Rave DJ will upload it to YouTube for you. But this in this case, the first couple seconds came out to nothing. And I was like, oh, man, this didn't work. But then suddenly 
Suddenly it lines up and it's magic the whole way as far as I'm concerned. So I just took, I downloaded it myself, cut out those first couple seconds, and then it ended up sounding like this. Nutty, man. Cha cha <laughs> Sometimes I just so funny. I mean, I I I don't I don't have to feel uh what is the word? I can't I literally can't think of the word. I don't have to feel like I'm self-congratulating myself because all I did was type in two songs. I didn't make this, but when I sometimes I've like low, I'm like, I'm gonna put that cha-cha slide, don't let start mix <laughs> on just to feel a little better. Cause I don't know, it makes me happy. Yeah, I'm well. I mean, it's like you know, DJs in general. A lot of it, you know, especially when you got you know old school DJs, the actual turntables and and you know the crossfades and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, just knowing, yeah, figuring out what two things will work together is something you know in itself. If you want to see, sure. if your listeners want to see. They sh- the video there is a video for that because if you if you pick music videos in rave dj it also tries to use the footage of the actual music video it figures out if you use yeah. an audio only you know youtube clip if it's a static image of the cover rave dj will figure that out and not use that footage but i use the music video of don't let's start and there are moments that are like uh uh the what is it pink floyd and uh wizard of oz wizard of oz like when he's like can you get all the way down to the floor when he says that in in cha-cha slide at that moment lanelle is on the ground like pounding his fist on the ground in that moment in the video (laughs) and then when they're like like dance to your left dance to your left that's when they're uh the two johns are walking through that studio space with the giant hats on and they have their hands over their face and they're bouncing back and forth Mm -hmm. it looks like they're Mm -hmm. doing the cha-cha slide at that moment And if you go to They Might Be Memes YouTube page, which nobody goes to, it's available there. Which is also... Yeah, yeah. we didn't even mention that. I totally forgot to mention that. But I run an uh, an Instagram, Twitter, and a YouTube page called They Might Be Memes. And that's where I put this ridiculous (laughs) stuff. Love it. Love it. Okay, we are to the portion of the episode where we need to score my evil twin. And you are required to go first, my friend. So, you know, I have a lot of affection for this song. I'm not sure now if it's really my favorite Apollo 18 song anymore, even though when I first listened to this album in the 90s, I would have considered it my favorite Apollo 18 song. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was 15, I probably would have given this song like a nine. 
I would I would reserve the ten just for you know bigger better songs on other albums, but I would have given this song a nine. And so now I'm like, well, I'm an adult. I'm to put away, <laughs> play things, and be a man. I've grown into a man. Is this really my favorite They Might Be Giants song? No. But is it even today my favorite Apollo 18 song? I'd have to think about it, but probably not. But it used to be. So I will give it a 7.9. Because I'm like, when you get into, as far as the way I think about it on a a scale of 1 to 10, when you get into 8, that's where once you're 8.0 and above, you're basically in perfection territory. That's what I, that's how I think Mm -hmm. of an 8. Like, an 8 and a 9 is basically perfection territory, but there's just one little thing that just brought it short. So I basically right. brought it up to the door of perfection for me out of like old school uh, feelings, out of nostalgic feelings. I'm like, I can't I can't give it less than a seven. But I also seven feels too middle of the road. You can't give anything a seven unless you really just feel it's very mid. <laughs> seven is the mid. <laughs> very mid. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think this is this is uh, one of the rare occasions where I go higher than uh, my guess, and frankly, I'm surprised and appalled. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I understand your reasoning. Um, I'm I'm going eight point five on this bad boy here. Nice. I still think I do and feel especially ashamed. after <laughs> you know the discussion that we've had, all the different ways you could look at this song, all the different ways you could uh, take it apart. Um, there's just uh, f- for what seems like a simple little pop or soft rock song, uh, right. there is <laughs> a lot going on. I love the collaborative element, the two Johns uh, working on it. All all the keyboard tones, the guitar tones, the drum programming, everything. Uh, 8.5 for me. You know, I'm, and so, I'm just quickly yeah. looking over the Apollo 18 track list and i i did listen to the album in its entirety a lot this week and i'm like today spider is probably my favorite apollo 18 song and oh, yeah. i'm not one of those people who commits <laughs> to their favorites so like i'm like right now spider is probably my favorite apollo 18 song and then i guess my evil twin is probably second or maybe it's third the uh, is statue got me high to trite can, can is it does it feel too trite to say Statue Got Me High is like in my top three of Apollo so, 18? No, you're 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 definitely <laughs> allowed to say that. It's amazing. Okay, so I think my top three are Spider, Statue, and Evil Twin. And then yeah. I can move those yeah. around as I see fit. But I'm gonna keep with the seven point exactly. nine. Okay. All right. So so there's only one thing better than some point. <laughs> so plugs we've already mentioned. People should go listen to Sadie Hawkins pod available anywhere. Pods are podcasted yes. and they, they might be memes on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, for as long as Twitter around YouTube videos for as long as Twitter's oh, around Twitter. and it's free and <laughs> Twitter is the place where the podcast really caught on. Like I feel like, the the best community uh you know conversations and stuff for right. for this might be a podcast go on or on twitter i really would hate if that went down the shitter right well down the shitter. yeah unf- i don't not. think there is a recurrent replacement for what twitter is able to do 
Uh, and if it mm. even is able to still do that when, <laughs> or if you have to start paying a penny per tweet or something, <laughs> I was actually thinking how funny it would be if, uh, I don't even feel like saying his name, just like I wouldn't say Trump's name for <laughs> four years, but <laughs> now I don't feel like saying Elon Musk's name, but I just said it. I was thinking if I was him, I would charge people to look at your likes that's where you get the money because okay. like yeah you got to tweet because like but but then like because because no one will know that you paid right like if you force people to pay for your tweets and your blue check and all that stuff people know you paid for it so you look bad especially if you're known to you don't oh you don't want to support twitter I, i'm not I, oh by the way i'm not on elon Musk's side at all i'm just saying if i was elon musk i would make you pay like a penny her view at who liked your stuff because you got to pay or, or 20, 25 cents because no one's going to know you paid, but you want to see someone liked my stuff. Someone, you know, I got, I got 50 <laughs> likes today. Oh my gosh. Something I have is got a ton of likes for me, but I can't look at it unless I pay two bucks and then you pay the two bucks. <laughs> it's an interesting concept. <laughs> hmm. Wow. This is not something I really care about that much. I just thought about it today. It's just a thing I randomly thought about today. Yeah, I just hope he doesn't totally fuck it up. Right. But anyway, oh boy. Sadie Hawkins Pod yeah. is also on Twitter. Sadie Hawkins Pod is the handle for Instagram, Twitter. We're also on TikTok. I don't you really use it that much. No oh boy. Then they might be memes. Is that one got complicated? Just type in "they might be memes" and you'll find it. It's "they might be memes" on Instagram. Yeah. It's T Meme BG on Twitter because someone else already had the handle. Uh, Bastard. Yeah, and then I also do MXPX memes, which was kind of my start in rock-based meme stuff. And uh, <laughs> rock-based meme. Yeah. <laughs> You do a lot of memeing. You're, yeah. you're, you're solid memer, I guess. Yeah, so this might be a pod, of course, still on Twitter at the moment. At This might be a pod, uh, Instagram, all the places. Um, if you want to support the show more, you can go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and uh, write me with your thoughts. Uh, this might be a pod at Gmail or call in at 224-801-2930. And leave a voicemail. Dan, so good to have you on again after such a long break. Yeah. Good to hey, be dude. back. Uh, I don't I think yeah. this is uh, the last song that I might have on your list. Not counting the one that I gave what? up, a self called nowhere. So who knows? You're free now yeah, I'm free. to pick <laughs> another one. I'm free. Or you're free. <laughs> yeah. You're free total if you want. <laughs> but if you'd like to do another one. Uh, you, you, you've, you've, you've definitely passed the, uh, the test. Yeah. The threes you, you've now let's go past the trilogy. I have an episode, I have an episode in the single digits, the double digits and three digits. So I feel like I'm in a pretty good club. I'll have to figure out who else is in that club. The one, two, three club, the one, two, three club. You you can only have a maximum of nine people in that club. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's very exclusive yeah. <laughs> you know this this is a cool place to be this, this, here in the tmbp uh vip room all right <laughs> okay <laughs> all right dan uh thanks thanks again man thanks and let's uh yeah let's do it again yep.